I believe God has a sense of humor. Because as I prayed a few times about what to speak on today, I know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to be speaking on Abraham and Isaac. So I'm going to talk about, today's message is called A Father's Test. And I'm going to talk from Genesis chapter 22 mainly. I'm going to start with verse 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Lord, speak to us today. You're testing Abraham to see who reigns in his life. Who is the ultimate authority? Test us in that way, Lord. Show us the places where we have relegated you to a position other than the one who leads us, our Lord. I pray, Father, that we would understand you're not on an ego trip, but you know what's best. Father, I pray that you would help us the places where we get anxious, giving up control. Lord, you know I do. Help us to step out in faith and say, Lord, it's yours. In your name, Lord, amen. You know, my, my, my goal today is obviously to encourage fathers and husbands and, and men, I should say. But I want to encourage all of us. But I do want to talk to the men, something that is under attack in the world today. You have a specific role. It's to be a man. I could take out my iPhone and I could do the emoji of a pregnant man and it grieves me that we live in a world that thinks that's possible newsflash men can't get pregnant we live in a world that is struggling in a lot of different ways with sexuality because the devil is behind it God has made you man and woman who am I to say God made a mistake. Now, yes, I understand we all have things that attract us. But 
you might be able to go by an Oswego sub shop sub and say, no way, I cannot. I think it's blasphemy to some degree. Don't even get me started on donuts. I went to Turning Stone once, and I walked through just to see what it was, because my friend lived right near there. And I walked away after five minutes. Ain't no, ain't no big thing. I know people that have gone there and lost hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not thousands. Why? That's their weakness. So I do understand that we all have things we're attracted to. I'm not hating. We live in a world today where if you don't agree, then you're, if you don't agree, you're a hater. I really hope the Tampa Bay Lightning come back and win the NHL. I don't like the avalanche. I am not avalanche phobic. I just don't like that team. But we have to realize, men, you're called to be a man. You're called to lead your families. You're called to take charge. It's time that the church quit hearing it's two women dominated that men take charge. And maybe you're a man in the church and you say, well, I wish things were different. Then talk to me so we can make it different. Today I'm talking about becoming a man. My first point is this is one crazy test. I will tell you, I cannot relate to this story in the Bible. It makes no sense to me, and it really makes me anxious when I read it. But the first verse says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. What did God tell Abraham in Genesis 17? Glad you asked. Abraham, in verse 5, it's not going to be up there. Abraham believed God's promises. What's more, he says, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Abraham knew that God was going to do something with Isaac. It says, then we will come right back. God is testing him, and he's going to test you and me. Who has the ultimate authority in your life? It's wise to test how strong things are. I am glad they test bridge supports before I go over the bridge. You know, we came home from the Outer Banks once. I think it's in the Virginia area. There's like a 12-mile bridge, and part of it, you go down into the tunnel. So you're driving across all this water, and you look ahead, and the bridge is no more. And I'm thinking, works for me. So you, I'm glad they tested that thing. God's going to test how strong your faith is because he loves you. You know, God tests us because, you know, this is what I look at. God gave me my wife and my children. I can't place them before him. And I'm going to talk about that later because I'm also going to get after this whole macho trip, and this is really not what I'm talking about. I think the church has, has really emphasize men and de-emphasize women way too long in too many ways it really isn't godly you know we've all so almost made it to a place where one's superior to the other and that's really not true we need to trust god years ago when my my kids were young we would go down and my parents 
wintered down south and we would visit them. I wouldn't get into my Plymouth Reliant K car, which I loved, and turn to my four-year-old daughter and say, give me directions, which way should we go? I took out my tried and true, trusted AAA triptych, and I took that verbatim. Gee, that's a stupid example. Then why do you do it? Why do you not take out your AAA God-ordained triptych and live by these directions? Why do we live in a society that says, well, life has changed, sexuality has changed. People say, why do you talk about it so much? Because watch your news, it's on it every day, and I'm going to come back against it. Well, let me go down a trip, an aside trip. One thing that grieves me, and you guys know this, I've said this before, I'm going to step on toes, but if your toes are stepped on, it's holy stepping on, it ain't bull stepping on. I was reading Greg Laurie this week. Yes, I get disgusted by what I see because I know it's then me having a field day. And we like to talk about the Holy Spirit whose main role is to lead us. Don't you think he says it grieves God when he sees us moaning about it, putting stuff on Facebook? That grieves the Holy Spirit when he sees us act in a wrong way. That's not how we're supposed to act. So, so we got to honor God by how we live. And God knows, you can read, God predicts what society is going to be like today. Read Romans 1. It talks about what we see with identity and sexuality. God gave them over to the what? Hardness of their hearts. So we see that going on. This is not a newsflash. We don't live in such a day and age that the Bible doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, we have to honor God by how we live. More and more, there's so much cultural pressure on what a role of a man and what a, the role of a woman is. I'll be honest. I go to a local gym. I wish there were men-only gym. Because I'm tired. I wear my baseball cap low. I watch TV. When I walk, I keep my head down because I don't want to see stuff I don't want to be tempted to look at. That's for another day. What's the original sin of Adam and Eve? They want to be like God. What am I talking about today? We want to be God. I was created this but I want to be this. God, you made a mistake. No, I didn't. But it's the enemy whispering the stuff. But we have to realize it's chaos. We have to love people, build relationship with people, and gently lead them into truth. We have to understand how God wants us to interact with the world. I remember the last day of high school, I got caught going 75 and a 55, more so high schools outside of the village. Janet Beaumont wasn't happy with her son. Wait till your father gets home, because my dad was golfing. 
So my brother coached the Babe Ruth League and he needed a rest, so I wanted brownie points, so I umpired. Then I'm sitting on the bat, my, my parents' porch, my dad comes home and I told him, he looks at me, <laughs> these things happen, and he goes in the house. I said, thank you. I think I became a believer right then. <laughs> he didn't yell at me. He didn't tell me what an idiot I was. Yeah, he could talk to me later, but that's how we're supposed to react. Let's react the people the way we want Jesus to react to us. I know, it's a challenge when, when God asks us to do stuff that, that, that aren't what we want to do. You know, and one of the things that I find, you know what's really hard? When obeying God means people around you that you love are going to be put in a hard position. That tests you. Are you going to do this, make them happy, or are you going to do what God wants you to do? You know, tests show you what's strong and what's weak. If you're taking this test in college, whoa, I blew that. I think I better study this subject a little more. You see, Timothy tells us, all, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our eyes. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We have to stand on the word of God. Doesn't mean I'm going to understand it all. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it all. But it means we have to stand on it. So God is testing Abraham. What comes first in your life? Now I'm going to read um, Genesis 22, 6 through 12. Now, just as an aside, God speaks to Abraham. You know that kid? Burn him. He leaves. What do you think Sarah was thinking? As he leaves camp with their son, no animal to sacrifice, but with the wood, etc. You think there might be some kind of spousal pressure there? I saw it, I saw it illustrated on a uh, television or a Netflix thing once, and it was, I said, wow, that guy had a lot of faith. But, um, so anyways, Abraham placed the wood, this is verse 6, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, talk about heartstrings. Yes, my son, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Here comes the bad news, Isaac. Um, it says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. I love that man's faith. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac <laughs> and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. I cannot understand this. At that time, the moment of the Lord called out to Isaac from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, yes, here I am. Don't lay hand on the boy. Do not hurt him anyway, for I know that you truly fear God. You will not, he will have not withheld from me even your, own son, your son, your only son. You see, somehow... Abraham believed the promises of God that he was going to make a 
generation of people out of His Son. Where He said, hey, you know what? We are coming back. He trusted God. And again, we read this in today's society. It doesn't make sense to me. But what God is saying to you is, will you obey me? I remember years ago, I've shared this before. I taught for three years in middle school, and I hated it. I mean, I hated it. But I prayed, and the Lord said, you know what? I want you to do it. I remember once I'm first year teaching, we're over at the, the Catholic Church. Oh, man, I can't remember where it is. Over near Oak Hill, and we used to rent it for Friday, uh, Wednesday night meetings, and Paul Wagner is, is preaching, and I'm te- I just had a bad day. I can't help him, man. I'm just crying. And I remember somebody said, hey, can we stop and pray for this guy? So they did, and I probably still cried. But anyway, so I remember I quit teaching, and I'm working at Marjack Sporting Goods, and I loved it. I made nothing, but it was a fun job. And I got a call from ABW, hey, there's an opening, I think I can get you in, so uh, no thanks. So I prayed about it, God said, do it. I said, okay, and they said, sorry, we hired somebody else. I said, thank you, Jesus. I felt like Abraham and I said, God said, will you do this if I tell you to? So I said, yes, and then he set me free. So we read these verses and we have to say, what kind of life, what kind of conclusions can we get from this? You know, the second point I want to make is who wears the crown and I think this is something we all have to look at in what areas of your life are you the king and not Jesus you know what life conclusions can we draw I think one thing we have to understand is what worldview do I have we have to all ask who am I I'm made in the image of God I gotta live that way I'm not made in the image of America I'm not made in the image of whatever of of today's society. I'm not made in the image of Rolling Stone, of Neil Young, of etc. I am made in the image of God, and I am here in my life to glorify God, not to build the name of New Covenant Community Church, not to build the name of Beaumont, not to build the name of America, but to build the name of Jesus Christ. Why am I here? You're here to draw closer to Jesus. You're here to tell people about Jesus. As I said last week, we see society, people say, he's coming back soon, then we better get out there and we better tell people about him. Why am I here? I am here to live for God. I'm here to have fellowship with him, to love him, to enjoy him. I love, I just read it the other day, I love the story of the demoniac, you know, legion of demons in him, he gets set free. Jesus, let me go with you. No, stay here and tell people what I did for you. Hey, new covenant, stay here and tell people what he did for you. But we have high taxes. Stay here and tell people what he did. But our governor, stay here and tell people what they did for you. What kind of world do we live in? California is passing a law. It's going through. You can do infant aside up to 28 days. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You can have an abortion up to 28 days after a baby's born. They think this is a good thing. Makes you mad. But you know what? We war not against flesh and blood. When we don't stay close to the Word of God, people, the culture is going to make sense to you. I have 
good friends in all kinds of lifestyles. They know I love them, but I don't agree. But every time I get together with them, I don't read them the riot act. We have fun, and I love them. Why? Because my God is so faithful that at the right time, he's going to open a door and I can share some truth with them. But not in my timing. Where do I get my information from? Better not be Fox News. Better not be CNN. It better be the Word of God. How am I to live? It better be the Word of God. There's a guy from my hometown. He says he's a Christian. Forgive me, he's not. In my heart, I don't believe that because I think we can test it and we can see the testimony of lives. And He does all this liberal stuff and oh, do I want to answer him, but I don't. I pray for him. And I, forgive me, swear at him in my head, probably. Not swear, but get mad. So what worldview do we have? And this is what I like about the Christian school. They teach a worldview that's from the Bible. What do we, I mean, you know what? Let's talk about, and please, I might, I have notes because when I go off them, I get myself in trouble. Buzz Lightyear, what an awesome movie. Oh yeah, there's a new one where two men kiss. You don't think there's indoctrination going on in this world? Not me. Okay, what do we see about God's character in these verses? He's a loving God. He loves Isaac. If you're a parent, it's Father's Day. If you're a parent, you know there are times you had to discipline your child and they didn't like it, but you had to do it for their good. That's what a loving parent does. You know what Proverbs says? If you don't discipline your child, you hate them. Why? You're not raising them up to be who they should be. You're kowtowing. This is what society is. Everybody gets surprised. My brother coached a D-ball team. They got beat 96 to 12. And then they made a, a, a mercy rule. His team didn't get no prize. They got a trophy. Worst team ever. No, they didn't get that, really. So anyways, so he's a, lo- he's a jealous God. That is a negative connotation, but it's not. He's not this, you must love me or else. Why is he jealous? Because he knows his way is best. And we see us, he sees us stray. He gets jealous. He goes, ah! but he's not going to twist our arm to go back. Sometimes we're in the pit, and guess what, church? When life sucks for you sometimes, you got to look in the mirror and say, God, why? Because it might be you. It might be your sin and your refusal to let Jesus wear the crown, and if he doesn't wear your crown, when life is hard, it ain't on him, it's on you. If you get into Corinthians, I mean, man, Paul talked about some people get sick and die because of sin. Well, that's not a popular thing to say. Jesus wants to be first. He knows what's best. And he will test us to help us strengthen our faith. You see that in coaching. You see coaches push their play. I remember years ago, I wasn't a team leader yet. This was, man, I was hardly working for the church my first year, I think. And I went into team group. And it was time to pray at the end. So I, <laughs> I grabbed this little ninth grade. I said, I want you to pray. He looked at me like I thought he was needing a Depends or something. I said, yep. So I closed my eyes, and he prayed. You know what he did? He went home and told his mama, I know how to pray. A good leader pushes you past your level of what you think you can do. 
what God does. That's what trials do. Whoa, I survived that. The next one comes. Okay, this really stinks. I'm not going to despise it, as Joanne said. But God's going to get me through because he is a faithful God. Look at Abraham. God is a faithful God, and he knew it. And this story blows my mind, but I love seeing that man's faith. You know, what are some challenges? What are some enemies to biblical thinking? Cultural norms or values. Do I think of New York State when I said some of the things I say this morning that it's going to be a hate crime? I, I really believe that's a distinct possibility. That saying the Bible is going to be illegal in New York State because it's not all-inclusive, and boy, I feel good. When we're talking about gun control, our governor said, thoughts and prayers don't do anything. We need laws. You're right. Thoughts don't do anything. If somebody's doing bad and I'm saying, hey, my thoughts are with you, big whoop. I love the ones that say, hey, sending positive vibes your way, it makes me want to say groovy, peace. I mean, I feel like I'm back in the 60s. Let me grow my hair back and wear a headband. That's a sight none of you want to see. Anyways. And my wife says, thank you, that was before me. So, Prayer? When somebody is deceived, as wise as you are, you're not going to talk him out of it. You got to let him talk him out of it. You pray for them. You love them. You encourage them. And you pray for them. And when you get upset, you take a step back and say, that's why I'm really thinking about getting off social media. That's why I really don't go to my news apps all the time anymore because I don't need to get ticked off any more than I do. So what is an enemy to my faith, biblical thinking, cultural norms? Our sin nature. Wives, you're supposed to submit to your husband. I would love to see a balloon over all the wives' heads that said what they're thinking when I say that. How many of you are flipping me the bird in your head is what I want to know. Submission ain't a bad thing. You know what my wife said to me when we learned about it? Praise God. You're the one that answers. Because guess what, husbands? When you die, God is going to hold you accountable for your family. You can't say, oh, I gave the Bible reading over to my wife. He's going to say, we're going to have a chat about that. For too long, men haven't been men. We've let our wives do it. Submission isn't a bad thing. It's a role thing. Do you think Jesus is second, secondary to God? Don't think so, though he submitted to God the Father. Our sin nature likes to be in control. We like to get recognition. That's why, as I prayed for this church and this sermon, I'm going to be speaking about it. He wants us to serve our community, the different ministries that we have here. He wants us to do it with humility, not to get our name out there, but to quietly lift up other ministries and let them succeed while we remain anonymous, because your right hand doesn't let, know, let the left hand know what they're doing. That really goes against me, because I want the recognition, because I'm a saved by grace our pride 
our ego control. One of the biggest things is the fear of the unknown, uncertainty. Saying yes to Jesus means, guess what? He ain't going to tell you what tomorrow brings. He's going to tell you today. Saying yes to Jesus might mean something crazy like, you move to the Tug Hill. But you got to do it. Because I don't want to say no to God. Matthew 10, 16, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. I looked up the definition of doves. It says they don't vent on Facebook. That's one definition. Doves are easygoing. Patient, they're respectful, and they're friendly. Christians are portrayed as idiots in the media and on TV. We deserve a lot of it because we need to repent. We need to repent to the sins of this world that we have judged them and not lovingly told them the truth. We need to shut up and quit thinking that we are so self-righteous that how could you do that in California? Guess what? If I wasn't walking with the Lord, I would probably say amen to that. I told you before I got saved, I was on abortion on demand. I was gun control to the max until one day at 1.30 in the morning, my wife and I woke up with a guy in our room, and guess what? I understand why we need to be able to protect ourselves. We can't make God upset by how we react, but let's go back to this thing with Abraham. His focus was on God. His, you gave me my son after all these years, and you want me to kill him? Yeah, I do. Can you see his face? as he tied the boy? Way to go, Dad. And he took out his knife. God says, whoa, stop it. I love you and you love me. What is in your life that you won't take a knife to? How's your finances? How about, this is what I respect about the Christian school, you would be shocked at how little they make. But that's what Jesus called me to do. How about relationships? I want to tell you what, I have seen some of the hardest falls with Christians by relationships. You get into a relationship God tells you don't get into, don't tell me you have an understanding with God, even though that's a true statement. The understanding is this, you are in sin and I will judge you. Oh, that's harsh. How about your family? I, I got the most awesome family in the world. But they can't come before God. I want them to sometimes, but they can't because God gave me them. You see, I want my family to see me place Jesus first. You know, I think that Kahari Willis, he's a safety for the Indianapolis Colts. He's 26 years old. You know what he did this week? because he knows God's calling him into ministry. So he's taking all these millions of dollars and the fame of being in the NFL, and he's saying, peace out. 
God called me on. Amen. My last point is men lead the way. Set an example. But for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. One thing I want to talk to you men about, you're under control, man. You're under attack. I mean, you know, you got, you got stuff going on. You got, you got thought life that you need to take care of, think visual stuff. Have a Christian brother who's strong that you can talk to, can hold you accountable, and will pray for you, and will kick you in the backside if need be. I do that with Wade Smith. Every Wednesday we go to Duncan, and we ask him very hard questions. Why? Because he loves me, and I love him. Now, as I said earlier, I am not talking about a testosterone-driven macho trip. I'm talking about men being who God has called them to be, being a man. There is a difference between a man and a woman. Men are becoming increasingly emasculated in the world's eyes. I am not going to target to buy clothes that they call, what, us or whatever, anybody can wear them. Ain't happening, sports fans. We need to be men. Because God has called us to be men. What does that mean? We need to be vulnerable. I grow tired of people that are a living Christmas card, little Christmas letter. They don't tell me anything but the good things. I'm not saying that you get out there and give everybody your negative, but the person that you're close to that can pray for you. You got to let your guard down. You got to let people see that you're vulnerable. I say this a million times, and it's not a put down. I want people to look at me and say, if God can use him, he can surely use me. Yes, because God calls the foolish things of the world, hello, not the wise. People need to see that we're weak because when I'm weak, he is strong. You know, faith has a reassuring effect on other people. Now, let me say one thing about putting God first. I have made so many mistakes on this. Oh, I put God first? Well, there's times I put this church and I put my other church before my family when I shouldn't have. You know, um, I've written letters to my daughters and apologized, and I repented. Because there's places where we had to act. You know, the Christian thing, there's a certain way you got to act, and now I'm on staff, and everybody's looking at you. Tut-tut, let's just do this the right. I wish I could go back and change a whole lot of things. But I can't. So I'm going to put Jesus first. But I'm not going to make the church an idol, if you know what I mean. Then I'm going to love my family. And when I got a choice, sometimes I, get like, I love it when I hear pastors say, man, I coach my kids' baseball team. I love that one to saw a little kid's soccer game a couple weeks ago. You know, we got like the Clarks playing, different people play, and they get involved and they coach their kids, and man, I wish I did that. I was too busy with all the thing being Mr. Church, man. And I'm not saying this is negative because this is what God has called me to do. I'm talking about we have to have balance. I don't even want to use this because she's in the room, but I remember my daughter had danced once. They had to go to Niagara Falls for something on a Sunday, and I thought we were all going to hell because I let her go. 
That's legalism. That ain't Jesusism. It's time we got rid of it at the church. We have to put Jesus first. But we have to love our families. It goes Jesus, family, others, yourself. I'm a father before I'm a pastor sometimes. And I'm just saying, when I'm talking about being a man, you know, I'm not talking about putting on your loinskins or whatever, grunting around fire. I went to Copenhagen and they said, hey, we go camping for men's retreats. I said, hey, not anymore. Me camping is, now it's an embassy suite. I don't know if I trust Red Roof fans if they even exist anymore. Like my daughter and husband, they got a camper, and I, I pray for their deliverance daily. Um, <laughs> and some of you do. I'm praying for you, O'Donnells, I'll tell you that. Um, and the stoners. I'm just kidding. It's just not how I was raised or how I want to live. But it's good. Huh? I did say I would, if they want me to come, I'd hang out with them for like a week or so. You never saw Melody laugh so hard. No, but what am, I, what am I trying to say here? One of the things we have to learn to do is to get over ourselves. Put Jesus first and let him guide us. There was a, um, a fantastic thing here Friday night. You should see the things online. The school, the school put on a great awards night. It was amazing. And, you know, my family's coming, my kids are from out of town, and uh, what should I do? I'm the pastor. And I talked, I prayed about it. I talked to one of my overseers, and they said, I'd be disappointed if you go. I said, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking, because God called me to not go, and that's okay. Because I trust those. We delegate. I trust those in charge. It doesn't have to be me. So what am I trying to say? Let's let our guard down. Let's trust Jesus first. And there are places where you wear the crown and not Jesus. That's okay. Well, it's not okay, but bear with me. It's okay, because we're going to turn to God. He's going to show you, and you're going to walk it out. And you're going to change and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, because Joshua tells us, but for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. There are things I do for God. It makes me scared. I'm going to, okay, I'll give you an example. God told me, I want you to volunteer how, you know, Wade Smith has Ontario, um, or Fruit Valley Orchard. I say, hey, let me mow your lawn. So I go out there Monday. They have a zero turn. Yeah. Not only do they have a zero turn, it's a zero turn on steroids. I am so out of my comfort zone, and I'm sweating, and, and I can, I, I told my wife, I was so scared I wanted to cry, and I am not, because I sometimes border on panic attacks. So I'm talking to Wade. He goes, yeah, it's really easy near the road. I said, that ain't happening because you all can see me there. Let's go way out back. So he took me out back, and, you know, he's watching me. And did I said, okay, this is an open place. Leave. Let me do this. I probably did in two and a half hours what he does in eight minutes. But now I know how to drive it. And when they say push it this way to go left, they're lying. You go like this to go left. And I learned this all 
I learned you don't use the brake. You just pull it back. It goes in, and it don't stall 18 times. After the 19th time, I figured it out. I'm going back Monday for three hours. Why? Because God asked me to do it, and it really, I was not exaggerating. When I said I was on the verge of tears, I was so scared because that's not who I am. But God said, I want you to do this. So don't look for comfort. Let's do a summary here. Let's follow Abraham's example. Trust God completely, even with the zero turns. Then I got home and my neighbor had a guy mow his lawn and this guy was incredible on his zero turn. But anyways, in 12 years I'll be there. Obedience needs to win out over emotions, turmoil, and uncertainty. It has to be Jesus first. Your faith will impact others. Show your family unconditional love. Embrace your role as a man. Be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Hey, guys, let's pass the test. Lord, we're coming before you right now. Lord, help us to love like you loved. Help us by giving us your love to those that don't know you. It's easy to pass judgment. Jesus, you know my heart. You know how frustrated and anxious I get. How I can vent when I get in certain conversations and I really have a hard time closing my lips. Forgive me. Let us be shrewd as serpents, but gentle as doves. Lord, we don't like what's going on in our world though your word does tell us it's going to happen. There is a hardness of heart towards you in our society. Jesus, you said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That means you also said they rejected you. If we follow you, they're going to reject us. That's what you're talking about. We're not supposed to put up a sword, think we're Aragon from Lord of the Rings, and go off swinging. Where to love. And the weapons that we use are supposed to be prayer. Lord, I do pray for our society. That they would see that your way is best. That you love, Lord God. That you're not trying to control and do mindless robots. But that you give us free will. And as we walk according to your word, we will live in a way that we have such internal peace such joy and fulfillment. Lord, let us pray and say, God, what are the places where I wear the crown? Does my family come before you, Lord? Does my job come before you? Does my free time and my money come before you, Lord? Does my insecurity come before you, Lord, where I use that as an excuse to say no, because gosh darn it, I am just insecure? That's an idol. You know, I struggle with that one, Lord. So I pray today, Lord, that we would look at Abraham. He knew you were going to deliver. He said, we will come right back. He believed that even if he killed his son, you're going to raise him up. You're going to to do something. 
I read these verses, Lord, I, I, I got to guard against getting mad at you because I don't understand this. But I do, Lord. Because you said you're going to test his faith. As we close Genesis 22, just keep your eyes closed. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Lord, maybe we're in situations where we're being tested. Help us know you will deliver us in your season. You will provide. Lord, the places where we say yes to you, we don't know the outcome, and we want to be in control. We want to know it. Every jot and tittle, Lord God, you will provide. Abraham knew you were going to provide. He held firm to your promises. Let us not forget your promises, Lord. Let us spend time in your word so society doesn't start to make sense to us and overwhelm our belief in your word, Lord God. We're not going to be like those that pull back. We're going to pull ahead, Lord God. We're not shrinking back. We're going to press on. And I pray, Lord God, that every man in this room would accept their role, that every woman in their room, this room accepted their role. I thank you, Lord, that we see a transformation in how the church has used and viewed women in the past, Lord God. But Father, there is a difference. I don't care what my iPhone says. I care what you say, Lord. We trust you, Lord God, with our lives. And I pray that you would bless every father in this room on this day. But let this Father's Day be focused on our Heavenly Father who offers us eternity. And as I close... Don't know where you're all at, but Jesus is saying, I'm reaching out to you. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need you. So as I close, and it's going to be like in 15 seconds, you just say yes to that. And Lord, I come before you, and you know that I'm a sinner, saved by your grace, Lord God. But the role I have to do is I have to believe. So I believe in that truth, Lord God. And I pray for anybody in this room and for all of us that we would commit our lives fully to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings and happy Father's Day.